Hi there, and welcome to the Pearls from My Mom podcast. Every mom has special pearls of wisdom she passes on to her kids. In this podcast, we'll be talking about those pearls of wisdom, as well as the life lessons that our moms have passed down to us. We will be sharing to keep the legacy alive. Hello, hello, and welcome to Pearls from My Mom, the podcast. My name is Jessie. I'm your host, and I am so happy you're here. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I have a really nice interview with uh, just a really sweet lady. Her name is Nancy McGee. She is a residential crisis counselor. She works with abused women and children in Cornwall, Ontario. She is just overall a really, just like I said, a genuinely nice person. I actually met her through her son, who I had been on his podcast. His name's Alexander, and he has a podcast, uh, The Podcaster's Coach. He's a super cool dude, and he introduced me to his mom, thought she'd be great for the show, and she absolutely is. So let's jump right in and talk to her. Hey, Nancy, how are you? I'm fine, Jesse. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. I'm so excited that you're here to tell your mom's story. Thank you for coming on today. You're welcome. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Oh, wonderful. Well, let's jump in. Let's have you talk about, a little, why don't you tell us about your mom? Start off and tell us anything that you want to tell us about her, you know, uh, anything about her background, all that stuff. Give us the goods on your mom here. Okay. Well, first of all, my mom's name is Bertha Elizabeth Schwinnard. Um, that's a French name, Schwinnard, but she spoke English. The whole family speaks English. Um, she didn't like her name Bertha. She was named after her mother, Bertha. So she went by the name of Elizabeth. But the funny thing about this, your podcast and me speaking about my mom is that her nickname was Pearl. All her friends okay. called her Pearl. That's awesome. That's perfect for us. I know, isn't it? I don't know why. I'm thinking that she once told me that my dad said she had teeth like pearls. Hmm. So I guess that's why she was called Pearl. But uh, all her friends and the in-laws called her Pearl. Uh, so, but 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 you know, other people uh, called her Elizabeth. So she had she had two. She okay. was born in 1914. So she had five siblings, and I think she was the oldest. Um, my mother probably had some jobs, um, but I don't know what type of jobs she would have had. She probably had some jobs to help out her family. Um, but she did help out my mother, uh, my grandmother, uh, take care of her father. And her father had polio, so he couldn't walk. So she was she was at home most of the time taking care of her dad. Um, I'm not sure if it is polio, but he couldn't walk. So in those days, I think it was polio. Um, but after that, uh, she married my, my dad. I believe she was about 27 years old at the time. And um, okay. yeah, uh, she got married during World War II. Had two children right away. And then my dad went overseas for seven years. Um, then when he came back, she had three more children. So basically, my mom was a homemaker all her life. For sure. That's, a, that's an important job, and that's pretty normal for that time period, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She probably had little jobs to help out the family, like cleaning homes and, or even making bullets in the factory for the war, something like that. But I really don't know. But I'm pretty sure my mom did her bit to help everybody, you know? 
I'm sure she sounds like she would have been like a, a really good caretaking type person, you know, because she was the oldest of all her siblings and then she had to help her dad. So I bet it sounds like she would have been like nurturing or a really good caretaker. Yep. And guess where I got that from? <laughs> Anyways, I'm the youngest <laughs> of her children. Um, and I and I think my mom was I think my mom was always old to me because when my mom had me um she must have been in like 40 she must have been 47 and she was old when she had me <laughs> because you know when you're like 10 and your mother's like 57 or 47 whatever it is you think she's old like i always thought when you're 30 years old you're old when i was a kid so i always thought my mother was old i don't ever remember her being young so when i was 10 she was probably 47 when I was 20, she was like 57. When I was 30, she was 67. When I was 40, she was 77. So, you know, and I was 56 years old and she died at 92. Wow. Yeah. That, she had an amazing long life. That's awesome. Well, my grandmother died at 100. Whoa. Yeah. We got the gene. <laughs> that, that bodes well for you then, I think. Yeah, as long as you take care of yourself. Uh, but we do have that bonus. We have the gene. Um, so my mom was, I know, I, cause I listened to your other podcast and, uh, uh, a lot of people had their mom when they were in, you know, when, at the eighties and the moms had careers and stuff like that. I didn't know that of my mom at all. My mom was always a homemaker who I remember only wearing an apron well, and clothes, <laughs> apron. <laughs> and clothes underneath the apron. <laughs> and, good, good choice. <laughs> and, um, when I'd come home from school, she'd have her apron on and she'd be sitting at the kitchen table. She'd be playing solitaire and having a cigarette. Uh, she'd always be there. My mom was always there. So I can't really say she went anywhere, you know. That's awesome. That's kind of like, it's like a Donna Reed kind of like, I want to say American dream, but you're, you know, you're Canadian, but like, you know, I mean, that's like the, that's, that's the picture perfect, uh -huh. I think, housewife role of that time. Right. So I think that's, that's right. But our, our house was not Donna Reed. No, no. It, it came with complications, <laughs> but that's another story. <laughs> you know, our house was kind of like an Archie Bunker home. Was it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That it was kind of like that, that yeah, more like Archie Bunker home than Donna Reed. My mother did everything for my father and my father was opinionated and stuff like that. So, yeah. Also probably pretty normal for the time. Yeah. So like, yes, that's, yeah. that's all right. Yeah. And well, when we would look at the Donna Reed show, which I remember, we always wish we had a family like that. We looked at our mother and dad and said, why can't you be like that? You know? So, but it wasn't like that. It's not true life. Yeah. Nothing ever is. Just look at Facebook and you'll see all kinds of perfection on there. That's not real. So Yeah, right. Right. Um, so, but when I was young, I remember when I was about 10 years old, I was involved with the Community Boys and Girls Club. That's in Montreal. Mm -hmm. um, we lived in Lower Westmount. Uh, it was called Selby Street. Now there is a highway there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you know? Do you know Montreal area? I do actually when we when I first moved to Canada we moved to Laval which is we were just right across the river from Montreal like we could literally oh. see Montreal from our front window. Well we all lived in Montreal we were all born there and we all lived there. Anyways uh, so when I was a kid I would be in a theater groups mostly musicals. Uh, we put on a lot of musicals like Peter Pan, uh, 
let me see, Cinderella, um, Sound of Music, um, things like that. And and I would practice my songs and dance in front of my mom, and she just loved it. My my mom loved to sing, but I never saw her dance. Uh, my mom was really kind, Jesse, because I would make peanut butter and jam sandwiches for the entire cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then though, and she didn't say anything about it, but my father would have had a fit. Uh, but she would kind of help me hang, you know, hide sandwiches from my father by distracting him, so I could get out without him seeing me. <laughs> so you know, I'm running up the hill with two bags of sandwiches, <laughs> peanut butter and jam sandwiches, because you know when I go there and I have my sandwich, people would be looking at me. The kids would be looking at me, so I kind of felt somebody must have been hungry. I don't know. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I, when I go on Saturday mornings, I had those sandwiches ready for everybody. And my mom would, didn't say anything about that. And those days were hard. You know, you just can't make sandwiches and give them away, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I can I can see that. Well, that's really nice. It sounds like she, like you said, she was a caretaker. She, she was okay with you taking care of others. So that's great. Yeah, yeah. And my mom was really good at... Um, watching me practice and she'd say she'd be my you know, my the audience and I'd be singing all kinds of songs and dancing she'd sit there and she'd have a big smile on her face she'd say okay Nancy make sure you smile look at them in their eyes you know make sure you stand up straight you don't want to be hunched and she'd help me with stuff like that you know we put on these plays but the thing is my mom was an introvert now I know. Then I didn't. Before I thought she didn't love me. But now I know my mom was an introvert because she never came to any of my plays. Just Oh, really? Yeah. Just once she came. Once in all those plays that we did. And we're talking, Jesse, big productions. For a little kid, the production went on for like two hours. And we had sets. We had costumes. I mean, that place was packed. And it would take us months before we put on a production. So it wasn't just a little 15-minute thing, you know? Mm-hmm. She came just once with my brother. Uh, it was Annie Oakley, and I was Annie. I was the star of it. And I didn't suspect, I didn't expect to see her, but she was, when the curtains opened, she and my brother were right in the front. I was, I, I just, I was so surprised and so happy through the whole thing I had a big smile on my face and sometimes you can't smile all the time I was singing uh, you can't get a man with a gun Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, and I was shooting off the gun you know it's a plastic gun but you would hear in the background bang bang and I would point it at my brother and my mother and they would laugh it was unbelievable but that was the only time that she ever came to anything we had mother and daughter banquets she never came Oh, I, did that hurt your feelings or did the, I mean, like, what was your relationship like? I, well, I didn't say anything, but I just didn't think she loved me, you know, but she oh. always hugged me and kissed me and everything. And I say, why didn't you go? She'd say, I have to get my hair done or I don't have the clothes or something. She always made some kind of excuse, but I was always, I, I did have a kind of a substitute mother, kind of this, this woman who was the director and she used to work at the club, Unity Club. She came to mothers and daughter banquets with me and stuff like that. She, she was, she was a good stand-in, but that was that, you know? Yeah, that was, that was, that was weird. But you see, I didn't know she was an introvert. I just thought, she didn't want to come. I didn't know, you know. But I do now. I mean, I not now today, 
um, years, years later, I saw that she was when I grew up, you know? So, um, that was that, that was a, that was a little bit of a sad time in my life uh, with my mom, but you know, my mom was always there. She always encouraged me. She always watched my shows. And I mean, she always watched me practice and, you know, my mom would buy these hip parade books. They were called, um, hot hits and they'd have music they'd have this the lyrics of uh, the songs that were on the radio and we would sing them together and she loved to sing and she would say to me sing this song nancy and i would sing it for her and we did that right up to the day she, not to the day but right up till she died when she was in her 90s when we go for a ride she'd say nancy sing quand le soleil du, du bonjour montagne me or Nancy sing uh, the September songs or from a Jack to a Queen and I wouldn't think twice I'd be writing along belting out the song so that was it. that's awesome yeah yeah I was never shy or ashamed or anything with her we we sing all the time oh that's great so so she passed away when she was 92 how long has that been since then that's 12 years ago okay yeah 12 years ago she had uh, a, a tumor in her intestines and it was blocking it. So mm-hmm. she had a choice either to leave it or to get it removed. Now, mm-hmm. if she would have left it sooner or later, everything would have just came up and it wouldn't have been a, it would have been very painful for her. So she only had a mm-hmm. 75% chance of living, but she took it and she went through the operation and she seemed okay, actually. She very happy because she wasn't in pain. My mom, the only thing my mom had, she had osteoporosis. It ran, it runs through my family. Eh? You know, mm-hmm. osteoporosis with that. She had the hump. My grandmother had a bigger hump on her back. It was, it was like, you know, bent over. Like we, we all, I don't have it yet, but I, it, it's there. I think it's lurking somewhere, but we all, it runs through our family. So my mom was always in pain with this. And when, after she had her operation, she was not in pain. She said, Nancy, I, I feel great. I feel so good. I've never felt this good my whole life. And I'm thinking, wow. So she said, you go home. Cause I'm having a, I'm having a really nice rest. I said, okay. So as I was tucking her in, I happened to look and in the back, I saw a hypodermic needle. You know, the kind they give you when you're in pain, when you're in labor. Mm-hmm. That's why she didn't feel any pain. That's why she felt so good. So she was nice and comfortable. Yeah. That's good. Something to be said for that, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, she was. She was okay. So I left that day and I was planning to see her the next day. But that night they took the needle out and all her organs shut down. She died. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Gosh, so so does it does it make you kind of sad that like you because you thought you were going to see her the next day? So did you ever feel bad that you didn't get to you know do the goodbye thing or anything like that? Or I don't know. Well, you know, I was yeah. Well, yeah, my sister and I were we left right away. I was fifty. She died fifteen minutes before I I got to the hospital because I was working. I worked at eleven at night to seven in the morning, so I had to call Mm -hmm. somebody in like two o'clock in the morning. And they came in, but I was 15 minutes late and she was, she died. And I met my sister at the hospital. And of course it was really sad. It was really sad, you know, but we had so mm-hmm. many years with my mom. So like, what are you going to do? She died, you know, 
But I think, you know, my mom knew that was going to happen because the day we left her apartment, she said, she looked back and said, this is the last time I'm going to see this place. Hmm. Yeah, I think she knew because she only had a 75% chance to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they do say that there's some kind of intuition with, with a lot of people, you know, they, they do kind of have an idea. So, you yeah. know, it seems like seems like she was at peace with it from what you're saying you know I mean she she did live a, a really good long life so that's amazing well my mom was at peace she never was afraid of dying my my mom said the worst thing that can happen in life is to get old she hated getting old she hated it in her mind she was 39 years old and she thought she could run a marathon but she couldn't she had to use a walker at the end, uh, probably around 85, she started using a walker. She hated it. She mm-hmm. thought she could do anything. She didn't like getting old. She said that's the worst thing in life for people getting old. She didn't like it at all. And she didn't like uh, ageism. She she called it ageism. I think that is a word. Mm-hmm. She, yeah, oh, yeah. She said, Nancy, don't tell anybody how old you are because they'll put you in that class and they'll think you can't do anything. She says, I'm smart. I can do things because my body can't. They think I'm just an old woman. So she never liked to tell anybody how old she was. I actually thought she was 94. But she's 92 once I thought about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's easy to lose track. It's funny because my grandpa, he he was he lived to be 93. And um, I remember I went to go visit him in the hospital because he had a, a like a pacemaker put in. Mm-hmm. And I remember the nurse coming in and she, she like yelled, she said, how are you today, Andy? Yeah. Like yelling at him. And he looked at me and he goes, apparently she thinks I had my ears worked on and not my heart. I just died laughing. I thought that was so That's funny. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They did that to her too. She'd say, well, yeah. who, are you, who are you yelling at? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I like I like she sounds like she was a great lady that's awesome my mom was a real caretaker is it a caretaker or caregiver what's the word for that I think caretaker yeah I think you know it sounds like she was really always taking care of everybody and yeah my grandmother lived with us and she took care of my grandmother until my grandmother died at 19 my grandmother was born 1876 and she died 1976 and my mother took care of her almost the whole time that's incredible yeah, and my grandmother was a bigger introvert. I don't ever remember my grandmother going out of the house, ever. Oh, yeah, just once when she had to take tests at the hospital. But I never remember my grandmother going out. And the only time my grandmother got up was when everybody was in bed. She'd get up and go have something to eat and then go back to her room. It's, I wonder, because, you know, my grandma on my dad's side, my dad's mom, she was like that. I remember we wanted to go vi- look at Christmas lights just drive around, you know, like we were just going to get in the car and she was probably like 80 at the time. And she was like, Oh no, I'd have to get my hair done. And I had, I'd have to find an outfit. And we're like, we're just going in the car. Like we're not going to see anybody. And she was, I thought that was so strange. I mean, I was like, I don't know, maybe like 13 or something at the time or 15. And I thought that was so weird. I was like, just get in the car, you know, it's not a big deal. So I don't know, maybe that's like a woman thing, you know, like, but women back in the day were really, you know, more oppressed than they are now, even though, you know, still have, still have a way to go, but maybe, maybe that's a thing. It went on today, even when she was in her eighties and nineties, it still went on. Hmm. She would only go out with my sister and I only, and she would only go shopping or get her hair done or go to a restaurant. That's it. My mom had no friends. 
she was lonely a lot of times. I remember once I bought my mom, I actually bought my mom seven sessions from a VON nurse mm-hmm. to go in once a week and go there, make her a little sandwich, a nice dainty cucumber sandwich. My mother always liked stuff like that with a little dainty cup and play cards. And this woman went twice a week. I paid her one hour uh, a week and she always stayed too because she just was crazy about my mom. So she went like twice a week, had sandwich and played cards with my mom, stayed about two hours and she did that for about a month. So I kind of bought my mom some company. Well, that's nice. Because nobody would go. I mean, my mom has, uh, she has about 20 something grandchildren, Mm. but she didn't go to their homes. They would invite her. She never went. So, of course, they thought they she didn't love them. I'm sure mm-hmm. after they hear this podcast, I'm sure they're going to know, ah, like my children know my mother very well because I brought my kids to my mom's all the time. So they all have their That's own good. experience with their nana all the time. I was in and out of their home all the time. I was married and I left my first husband. I went back. <laughs> you know, I went back with the kid. <laughs> and then my mom, yeah, my mother helped raise my oldest son Alexander she helped me and when I went back to my first husband I had two more children and finally when I left that relationship guess where I went with three kids back to my mom's (laughs) yeah (laughs) my father would say oh god she came back with two more You multiplied. I multiplied. My mom was there to help me with the kids. Of course, that's awesome. Yeah, I found my own place and everything, but my mom was always there. She was always a a caretaker all the time. She helped me feed them. She helped me clothe them. I remember when the first day they all had to go to school, she helped me clothe them for the first day. You know how kids want to wear the nicest stuff the first day? Mm -hmm. And and when they left, we would get out the Kahlua and milk because she wasn't a big drinker. And, but it'd be like 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> we'd have some milk, a little Kahlua and toast and go, yippee, yay, they're gone, yay. we dance. <laughs> <laughs> My kids would be so mad when they say, huh, what's wrong with you? Oh, we're so happy. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. <laughs> hey, but now they get it. Oh, I'm yeah, sure. they get it, yeah. She was always a caretaker, and she was really, really good. But she was lonely, you know. She alienated herself from so many people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I think that's a, a that happens a lot with you know that generation. And I think, well, I mean, it sounds like you did a good job of taking care of her, so that's you know great. And you said that was twelve years ago. So when you, you know, after she passed away. Did it take you a while to be able to talk about it? Is it something that you talk about often? Or I know you said you have you have siblings as well. So I mean, how did how has that played out ever since she's been gone? Well, um, my sister and I are very close, and my sister and I always went to take care of my mom. Uh, she she lived in her own apartment. We did everything we can to take care of her, to entertain her. She was our friend, you know. Uh, and when she died. Um, I took the role on as to separate all, all her stuff. She wanted all her stuff to go to Salvation Army. She really believed in the Salvation Army because the Salvation Army mm-hmm. helped the family out in the Depression days. The, their, their place was really cold, she told me, so they had no coal. And the Salvation Army came in with a, a truck and put coal in their home. And she never forgot that. And so she said, if anything happens to me, I want you to give everything I own to Salvation Army. And I did. 
I, I'm, but I didn't give the gold. <laughs> we kept the jewelry. Yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> we kept the jewelry. We put it among the family, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so I was, uh, um, I was, um, I don't know what you would call it. I, I didn't, I didn't kind of mourn yet. I don't think I just had separated. I had to clean the apartment, separate things. I sat in her chair. I think mm-hmm. I was in shock, to tell you the truth. Oh, yeah, I was sure. in shock. Yeah. And uh, I just, I remember that I was so used to going to her place because I went to her place. I lived five minutes away and I was there like 75% of my time I was there. And I went there three, mm-hmm. four times a day. Or, and so when I was at home, I had, I, I had nothing to do, yet I had a lot to do. But my mom was, I was like, where are you, mom? And I would get in my car and I'd go over to her apartment and sit in the parking lot and just look up on the balcony. Um, I think you call it a balcony. We call it a balcony in, in mm-hmm. Quebec or gallery, gallery. I don't know. I will say balcony. And I would picture her and I sitting there having a cup of tea. And it would, I would feel better. And I, would, I did that for a few weeks. When I felt bad, I would go to where she used to live and sit in the parking lot. And then I saw a light on, and I thought I can't be doing this anymore. Someone lives there, mm. so it it's so. Then I went home, and you know, time heals, Jesse. You know, you know, I didn't cry a lot because my mom would say, "Listen, you're crying for yourself. You're pitying yourself. You're not crying for me. I'm gone. I'm with my family." She really believed she was going to be with her sister and her mom, and that stop crying. L- live your life, you know. So. Mm. Uh, Something so, to be you know, said for that. Yeah, yeah. She would say, you know, if you cry too much, you're just going to hurt yourself. There's no, there's nothing you should cry about. I mean, it's okay to cry. Of course, I really believe in crying. You have to just get that off of your, you know, you have to get it, get it out of your soul. But then there's come a time that you got to stop. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And you know, mm. and if you if you go on for years of mourning for your mom, that it kind of tells you you need someone to talk to. That's why I believe in the bereaved families and stuff like that. If it goes on too long, you know, you're only hurting yourself. So, but mm-hmm. you know, the, the the funniest thing is that my sister and I are caretakers too, of course, and we take care of our family's gravesites. It's in Maxville. I have a father who died. I have two brothers who died. So it's my sister and I, and one brother left. But we would go down there on their when they passed and we would put flowers down and we would talk and that and my sister said what are we doing i said what she says let's not do this anymore let's not come down here because i knew everybody i knew when everybody's when everybody died i knew the dates she said let's stop this let's celebrate your life let's come down when they're on their birthdays and celebrate your life let's forget about this I said, yeah. So as of today, I don't know when anybody died. I only know people's birthdays. My dad, November 13th. You know, my mom, June 28th. My brother, uh, November 23rd. My other brother, September 31st. I have no idea when he died. I had to look it up for this podcast. Oh, wow. Well, that's that's a nice concept. Then you let go of that you know, the sad part and now you're just keeping the happy part. I think that that was probably a, an important switch for you. 
It was. It was. Because we go down there on everybody's birthday. We put flowers there. We make sure that uh, the grave sites are nice and clean. And, uh, well, we do that like four times a year. But plus we go on Mother's Day too, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we're we're good at doing stuff like that. And so that's how we handled the grieving. That's good. Well, it's nice that you have your sister in that journey with you. I, my sister and I try to lean on each other as well. Of course, it's only been, you know, two and a half years since my mom's been gone and my sister's in Colorado. So that's pretty darn far away from, from here in Chelsea, Quebec. So, uh, <laughs> but it's nice that you guys had that to, to go through together. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And I'm reminded of my mom quite a bit because my sister looks like my mom. And mm-hmm. my cousin, who's my best cousin in the world, Kathy, she looks like my mom because my mom's brother and her resemble each other. So Kathy looks like her father. So Kathy looks like my mother. And so I, I see the resemblance. Plus, the big, big thing is I have my mother's hands. When I look oh, down so at my time you, Every time you look down, you see them. Yes. Yes, I have my mother's hands. I've taken care of my mom a long time. I know what she smells like. I know I don't have the smell, but the oil of hule, the palms, cold cream, that always brings me back to my mom. But I just look at my hands, and there's my mom. Hmm. That's really nice. Yeah, yeah. So what are some things that you guys do? I mean, I know you said you go down to the gravesite during the birthdays and you go on Mother's Day, but what are some other, are there any other traditions, let's say during the holidays or anything that you do to kind of keep her memory with you or with your kids, you know, just keeping her alive through that memory? Well, no, no. Um, My sister and I, we, even though she lives pretty close, she has her own family. She has a huge family like I do. Uh, We always meet about once a month. We go to movies, we go to dinner. We always talk about mom. We always say, oh, mom was like that. Oh, gee, you're wearing a coat that looks just like mom. Oh, look at that woman in the back. She's got the same hair. We all, our mother is always with us, always with us. And our children, unfortunately, my sister's children doesn't know my mom that much because my mom alienated them, you know, mm-hmm. because she didn't want to go out. So I'm sure my sister's kids have their own memories, especially my niece, Nancy. She helped me a lot with my mother. So I'm sure they have their memories. My kids have a lot of memories because I always brought them there. So um, there's pictures of my mom at my son's house. And my daughter is wearing my mom's wedding rings. She got married two years ago. I gave her my mom's wedding rings. So when she looks at her hands, and my daughter has my hands, she also sees my mother's wedding ring. Oh, that's so special. Yeah. That's so, so special. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, my mom's with me all the time. And I remember in one of your podcasts, you said that you're, you said to a woman, did have your mother, you believe in your mother ever visiting you? Mm-hmm. My mom visited me December the 23rd of this, of just last month. Oh, yay. Yep. I love visits. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I didn't see her, but I felt her presence. What happened was um, my husband and I were going to visit our children for Christmas and they all lived far from me. First, we went to my daughter's place. And we mm-hmm. stayed overnight. But my husband's knee went out on him. So my daughter had to bring him back home. But I continued the next morning to Alexander's place in Whitby. When I left at 11 o'clock in the morning, and this is only a four-hour drive, I was going through freezing rain. Something happened to my windshield, and it, the rubber came off, so I got off the next exit. 
when I was in Kentville. They were very nice, and they helped me get back on the road. It took me seven and a half hours to get to Whidbey. It was horrible. And I got there at 7.30, and I went to bed at 9. I was so tired, so tired. Mm -hmm. I woke up at 4.30 in the morning. Someone told me, Nancy, go home. Nancy, go home. I knew it was my mom. I knew it. Because from then, the next morning, I was supposed to go see my son and his family in St. Mary's. That's near London. That's another four-hour drive or three-hour drive. Mm-hmm. I didn't go. I phoned Ali. I texted Stephen, my oldest son, and said, Stephen, I can't go. I think Dan is telling me not to do it. And my son said, listen to her, Mom. She is telling you not to do it. The roads are bad. Listen to her. So I got up to leave, and Alexander was, happened to be up because he was getting ready to do something. I said, I have to leave. And Alexander said, Mom, you can't leave until you say goodbye to the children. They're going to be so upset. He has three children. They'll be upset. Their nana's gone. So I stayed till about 10 o'clock, and then I left to go back to Cornwall. It took me three hours. Beautiful weather. Mm-hmm. I listened to three of your podcasts. <laughs> It was a wonderful drive. I was so happy to be home. I kissed the dog. I kissed the floor. I kissed my husband in that uh, <laughs> order. And I said, that's it. My mom told me, get get home and stop this winter driving. And I, I, did, I, I knew it was my mom. Oh, that's, I love it. I love, my mom always told me that she would, you know, because my mom knew she was going to die. And she told me that she would, she would visit me. And if I ever was telling, if she was ever telling me anything, it was always something that I needed to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I totally, I totally believe you on that. Yeah. Yeah. If I have a problem to solve, I think, what would my mom say? What would my mom do? And then I would know what to do. She was so supportive. She was so smart. She was so wise. She was just her worst enemy. That's all. Mm. A lot of times we all, we all can be, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So well. <laughs> First of all, thank you for saying that you were listening to my episodes. That's so nice. So you know that the theme of the show is, you know, the pearls of wisdom from your mom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it doesn't have to be one saying or anything like that. But if you could just give us an idea of what you think your mom's best pearl of wisdom is. Can you can you think of something for us? Oh, yes. I know what it is because I do it every day. Take care of yourself. She really believed that if you don't take care of yourself, you're going to get, end up in the hospital or end up seeing your doctor. And when you get older, your doctor, I'm not saying anything bad about doctors, mind you, but they just give pills. And when they give you a pill for an ailment, it has side effects. And then you're going to take another pill for that side effect and another pill for that side effect until you got a whole prescription of pills. My mom believed in take care of yourself. Stay away from the doctors and hospital if you can by eating well, by exercising, moisturizer, moisturizing, moisturizing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> take care. Yeah, oh yeah. Take and and you you know just just overall take care of yourself so you don't have to go to a hospital. So you don't have to keep going to your doctors. And I do that every day, and I'm not on any medication. I'm 67. Um, a lot of people say I don't look my age. No, I'm 66. I'm sorry. And uh, I strive to live the way my mom said to. And, and it's working. That's the I think best that's advice. Awesome. Yeah. Take care of yourself, really. 
so you don't end up taking medication. I think that's great. Well, this is going to air in the in the first part of the new year. So, you know, you're, you're my first interview of 2018, and this will be in the first part of the new year. So a lot of people are going to be, you know, taking good care of themselves. So hopefully this will inspire them to just like keep it up. <laughs> Yeah, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. So that's where I get the caretaking from. Uh, my mom. I mm -hmm. think that's where why I work as a counselor, why I take care of women and help them empower themselves. It's just, uh, I learned that from my mom. Well, I could definitely see that. I see that. Mm -hmm. And I think something that you just said a little while back, you said that when you don't know how to get through something tough, you always think about how your mom would have dealt with it and it, it works for you. And I think that's a really great way to not only keep your mom alive in your brain, but also, you know, I get, a, I get stressed out a lot when I think of, you know, my kids got a fever and the first person that I would ever call would be my mom. Cause my mom too, like yours helped me take care of, um, especially my son when he was born. And so, you know, when he gets sick and I don't have any, I mean, you know, like I don't have her to call, I do get mm -hmm. kind of stressed out. So I think that piece of advice that you gave a little while back could help me saying, okay, what would my mom do in this situation? And how can I implement that for myself? Good, good. I'm happy. I think that's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I know that you talked a little bit about your grieving process. You said that you didn't, you, you know, you, you try not to, to cry over it and, and all of that. Um, do you have any advice maybe for somebody who is either new to the grieving process or somebody who is having a, a hard time with the grieving process? Do you have any advice for that? Well, you know, grieving is what it is, and there's no shame in crying. There's not at all. I really believe that. Get that. Go and have a good cry, you know, and cry as much as you want, but don't keep it up because you're just going to hurt yourself. You're not hurting anybody because the more you cry, the more you feel bad. So just don't keep it up. But of course, go through the grieving process. You know, you might be in shock. It gets better. Believe you me, every day or every week or every month, I don't know how long it takes. It does get better, you know, but go through it. But don't keep it up. And if anybody out there who's grieving for years, they need to get some help. They need to get a counselor and talk to them or they need to join the bereaved family. Because that's a group of people who will help you through it. That's true. There, there are people that specialize in that. And I think, you know, a lot of times there's a stigma. I know, you know, I had a tough time in the beginning and I wasn't sure that I needed to go see somebody. And then I think it was my husband and I, like it, he's my husband's such a good caretaker of me and he's such a nice person, but he's like, look, this is getting hard on me. So like, yeah. if you could go find somebody to talk to, and that's super legit. Yeah. I mean, my husband is my best friend. He's my, you know, person that I confide in the most, but if I'm dumping all of my grief onto him, mm -hmm. that, that can't, you know, that's not healthy for our relationship either. So right. I definitely, I'm a huge advocate for going out, mm -hmm. see, you know, seeking, whether it be a psychologist or a grief counselor, or like you said, there in almost every area, there has to be some kind of bereavement group. And usually yeah. there's multiple groups. So just go to one until you find one that you like. Mm -hmm. um, that's right. And, and there will be people that, you know, you'll see that you're not alone. And that's probably the whole entire reason I wanted to do this podcast was mm -hmm. just sometimes you do feel alone, you know, even though you have a sister and, and I have a sister, but sometimes, you know, it's 
pretty easy to say, oh, well, I'm the, I'm the only one that knows what this feels like, even though there, there are lots of people. So I think you're totally right about, you know, seeking the help that you need and don't feel bad about it at all. Right, right. And time heals too, you know, so don't worry. It's not going to be like this forever. Time will heal. Your mother will always be with you either in your hands, in your heart, in your family's faces, your memories. You never, ever forget your mom. That's that's so true. Those are great words. Well, cool, Nancy. Is there anything else that you want to tell us about your mom? Or do you think we we covered everything about her? No, I think I covered everything about her. Probably later on, I'll think of something else. You know, I've had a long time (laughs) to be with my mom. But uh, I don't know. It's you know, talk to people about your mom. You know, you have a fabulous podcast and you're giving me a platform to talk about it. Now I have a legacy to give to my grandchildren because I have I have 11 grandchildren and I have oh. a great grandson. I have a big family. I have four kids, three children and one stepdaughter. I have a big family. Um, now they can listen to this. And and they can mm-hmm. listen to this forever, all because of your podcast. So thank you. Thank you so much for giving all of us this opportunity to talk about our moms. Oh, I'm so happy to do it. I'm happy that anybody, when I started it, I had no idea if anybody would ever want to come on here. But I thought, well, I'll just start it and see what happens. And I'm so, I've been so amazed by the response and, and people like you who have listened and and wanted to come on here. And I have your son to thank for kind of a connecting us, which is great because he's a podcaster as well. And I, I got a chance to be on his podcast. And mm-hmm. so yeah. I think that's amazing. Yeah. If he didn't do the podcaster's life, I would never have, have spoken to you. So everybody listen to the podcaster's life. <laughs> that's right. That's right. He's a, he's a great, his name is Alexander. I can post a link to his podcast in my, in my uh, show notes as well, in case anybody wants to check out his cool podcast. And I, he's also writing a book and I got a, he asked me to do a little part in his book too. So yeah yeah and he's doing this mini improvs now it's so funny he did one with you i just yeah. listened to it today what was that i don't know what it's about uh it was, boring the word boring yeah. yeah boring oh it was so funny and i i laughed what he said so what's your last the last words jesse and you went boring being bored or something or right on boring or something <laughs> like that anyways you made me laugh Oh, that's good. You know, it's funny because my son, who's nine, but feels like he's like 19. Yeah. Um, he's everything is boring to him. Like, you know, because he's just, it's just all like every, he's like way too cool for me. Yeah. Right now, which I, I thought would happen later in life. I don't understand. He's nine. I thought, you know, I thought we still had a few good years of him being like cute. And, but no, 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 that's <laughs> it. You're gone. Well, you know, don't ever give up hugging them because when I hug my kids, I hug them too much and they call me, oh, here comes smother. Instead of mother, they call mm-hmm. me smother. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, I will not. I, my mom, it's funny because my mom was always into lipstick. She loved lipstick and earrings. Those were her things. Mm-hmm. And even when I was in college, my mom, even probably, you know, all the way up, she, I was 35 when she passed away so even probably all the way up until the the day that she died anytime she would leave she'd always have bright lipstick on and she would always kiss me at least on one cheek usually on two and leave these big lipstick marks on my cheek (laughs) when you're when I was younger I was like oh mom knock it off you know but as I got older I started if she didn't do it I'd be like hey where's my lipstick kiss let's go (laughs) (laughs) that's cool yeah those those good little memories Well, Nancy, you are a delight. 
And you had so many good insights and so many cool things to share about your mom. And if you ever think if you, you know, if you wake up in the morning and you think of something you forgot, you just let me know, we can add to it. But I think that this was a really nice conversation and I'm so thankful for you coming on. Uh, Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Jesse. Keep on doing what you're doing and I'll keep on listening. See, I told you Nancy was a sweet lady and I really appreciate her coming on. She actually did remember something after we got off, after I I stopped recording. She remembered something about her mom that I thought was just too cool. Her mom was super into WWE wrestling, like knew everybody's names and like career statistics and stuff about them. So I thought that was a really cool little fun fact. Like now I'm picturing her, you know, at like 90 being like, yeah, go get him the rock and you know, all that cool stuff. So I want to thank Nancy for coming on. I want to thank you for listening and I would really love to interact with you. So if you are so inclined, please find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at pearls from my mom. I have a private Facebook group for people that want to just, you know, find some support and have some discussions there. So that's all linked to everything as well. I've got the website pearlsfrommymom.com. And if you feel like supporting the podcast, you can go onto my Patreon page, give a few bucks. There's some cool rewards on there. So please do that. And otherwise, you can also you know share with your friends share on the social media and you know do some itunes reviewing and all that good stuff so anyway listeners thank you so much for listening this week and i will hear you back next week over here at pearls from my mom and as always keep sharing to keep the legacy alive